Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Um, first of all, I have to say, if you listen to last week's episode, we talked to Corey Woltering. Um, outside just put out this amazing 10-minute documentary that shows you what we were talking about last week with his Ice Age FKT record. Um, it's awesome. It's super well done. And it was just like a really cool companion piece to uh, what we were talking about last week. Um, and if you listen to that episode, you heard a special co-host, uh, Adam Casey. And this week, we are actually going to kind of catch back up with Adam, see where uh, this crazy adventure has taken him, you know? Um, if you haven't listened to his episodes in the past, I highly, highly, highly recommend them. Uh, we basically, in three episodes, kind of covered his journey um, through the military into discovering uh, that he had cancer and his recovery from that into this pretty awesome uh, horse race across Mongolia that he signed up for. Um, he's an incredible dude. When I think about the word resilience, I think of Adam, I mean, he's been through a lot, but he shows up and he keeps showing up and he keeps, um, giving 100% of his effort in whatever he's doing. And it's awesome. It's super inspiring to see. And he's also a great trail runner. Um, in this episode, we're going to talk about his recent, uh, 100k at the Never Summer race up here in kind of northern Colorado. Um, And I'm super excited to share that. We also talk about his adventures trail running uh, in South America, which is really cool, super interesting. As a dude who is having major travel envy right now, (laughs) um, those stories really, really um, inspired me to hopefully plan some, some big adventures in the future. So, um, I hope you guys are excited. I'm excited. I love talking with Adam. So let's just get right into the episode. This is the like a Bigfoot podcast number two fifteen with Adam Casey. All right, guys, uh, I'm super excited to welcome back one of my favorite people I've had on the show to this day, to this point, um, Adam Casey. It's been way too long, man. It has been. I wish that there was a way for everyone to see how uh, how much I'm blushing right now because <laughs> I've definitely, you know, I, you know, I love being on here and I think it's uh, it's actually been so cool to see your podcast grow over the years, man. Ever since that day that we were running up in like Netherland and obviously, you know, when I was a guest on here and it's, uh, it really has been so cool to see the guests that, you know, have, you've been able to, to interview and just, yeah, like you're at like what, like 200 episodes or something now? Or? Yeah. Two over 210, which is bonkers. And also I like feel like an outside observer sometimes where I'm like, I just am looking at the list of people. I'm like, how did this happen? This is insane. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, I, w- I would love to hear kind of how you think everything is kind of evolved over 210 episodes. Yeah, I've tried to um, 
honestly man it's just me following my own interests to be fair like i've tried to follow stories that i like actually find fascinating and interesting and you know after i read about somebody or watch like a youtube video or whatever that they put out and then i reach out and they're like yeah sure i'll come on the podcast i'm like oh my god and then i'm like i think i tricked this person into talking to me <laughs> like this is crazy but uh but yeah dude so but i will say no one else has told a story about a horse race across mongolia so you got that uh, good yeah. good well you know let's uh let's make sure we keep it that way let's yeah uh, i i can't claim uh i can't claim too many titles these days but yeah i can at least claim that one <laughs> dude you can claim one of the ultimate colorado races you know so you just got done doing the Never Summer 100K. And like, I haven't been out in Colorado that long, but that was one of the first ones I've heard of. It was like Hard Rock and then Leadville and then Never Summer were like the big ultra runs that I that I were on my radar anyways. Right, yeah, no, same thing for me. Um, you know, I, I still haven't been able to do my first 100 mile uh, race to both previous attempts. I've been thwarted by, you know, uh, let's see, two years ago, I was slated to do slated to do one in California that ended up getting canceled because of the wildfires. And then this year I uh, was slated to do the one down in Utah, Salt Flats, um, Bonneville Salt Flats. I've like heard of that one. Run. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but, you know, and obviously Corona. So, <laughs> like, I know, man. So many things through a and, wrench. Um, Did you have a never summer on the like on the schedule before that? I didn't know. I I've uh, obviously. I mean, I just got a new tattoo, uh, f- like another running tattoo. Um, so there's no way that I'm getting away from running. But you know, I had actually over the past maybe six months or so was starting to feel that that burnout start to creep back into my life, and so. Um, I had signed up for, you know, when I had, I, I keep saying I had this hundred mile itch that I just want to scratch and I just, you know, want to get that done so that I can do all of the things that I think everyone moves out to Colorado for, but just, there's only, you know, 26 hours in the day. And so you can't, um, you can't like, you just, you know, you, you can't have a job, have a full-time job and do all the things that you want to yeah, do. You and can. here I am. Here I am speaking to somebody who just had a third kid. So I know you get it. Well, it's like, I I understand because, dude, you'll go driving up a canyon here and you'll see people rock climbing. You'll see people rafting. You'll see people mountain biking, painting, just sitting out there painting. I'm like, dude, I want to paint, but I don't, I have to choose one. (laughs) I just have to choose one. I want to do it all. Why Why can't I paint while I run as I'm like, rock climb as i'm like fishing or whatever you know it's yeah it's uh you should create yeah, that so, event you know <laughs> well i still i i honestly still have it in me uh i still have the idea to do my own um i don't even know what you would call it like uh escapade of run skydive run i was <laughs> dude remember i was on board except for the skydive part but remember yeah. i was gonna run with you to the That's to the right. airfield and then you were going to skydive and then we we're going to run back. Right. Yeah. So because this is not an inside conversation, you know, this is uh, this is a podcast. And so I'm sure everyone else is probably wondering what the hell is going on. 
we had talked about um, yeah, when I was living up in Boulder, because the drop zone where I jump at, because um, I'm a licensed skydiver, is we were talk we had talked about doing our own type of yeah event where we'd start off I think in Boulder and run to Longmont, I'd jump and then I'd run back and then I know that there was a coffee break in there too somewhere. That was part <laughs> was- of it, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but uh, but back to your question, yeah, Never Summer is definitely. Um, it wasn't on my schedule at all this year until the until coronavirus uh, kind of canceled everything. And uh, all you know, yeah, I just I guess I was because I was leading up to the race in May um, down in Utah. And when that got nixed, you know, I had all that. You know, I didn't want anything to go to waste. And so I just like everybody got on ultra sign up on a day when you shouldn't be on ultra sign up and started <laughs> registering for like every race possible. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, I think, you know, I was on the wait list. So there's actually, you know, there's probably no right language to put this in, but I benefited from the pandemic in that had it not been coronavirus, I would have never gotten off the wait list um, mm. because I didn't get notified until maybe three weeks before the race that I was, you know, that I was going to be able to run. That doesn't, I mean, I was training for it for a long time, but um, yeah, I don't think had the, had the pandemic kind of forced everybody's hand and not been able to travel, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. Well, so what did, like, how did your training change? I mean, also it's hard to train when you're not a hundred percent sure you're in the race. Yeah, I, you know, the mental side of it was probably, um, you know, the hardest part, even, like I said, knowing uh, really like each day that passed and it looked more and more likely that the race was still going to be put on. But yet, you, you know, you just took the took a temperature gauge of like the entire, you know, the whole country, basically. Yeah. And I knew that people weren't, you know, I was looking at the... Um, I was looking at the wait list and I would see, you know, some people that were ahead of me that, you know, were registered and they were going to be coming potentially from like South Africa. I'm like, there's no way this person's going to be. So, um, yeah. So I would say like, you know, overall I keep a pretty consistent base. Um, you know, going back again, going back to, I was training for a hundred miles in May. So the race would have been that race would have been the first week of May. Um, and so, you know, really only two months ago. So it was really just a matter of staying healthy um, and springboarding off of that. But what I have started to do recently, and this is just my own pseudoscience training, where I'll do what I consider like a really heavy mileage week, and then I'll alternate it with a really light week. And then, so, and then the light week is only 50 to 60% of the miles that I just previously did. Um, but yeah, I would say, uh, it was just more of a keeping consistent with mileage and then, yeah, just accruing as many miles as I could. You know, if I had had a kid, I would have put that kid in a stroller and <laughs> we would have been cranking miles out in the middle, but nothing, I don't think I would have put it, uh, I don't think I would have been wearing three layers like you or, uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys missed that story. I was saying how, to train for the race, I put my daughter in the stroller and we just walk four miles, but I was wearing like three layers of sweatshirts in the summer and looked like I was stealing a baby basically. 
it it uh don't forget yeah you put a you put a kettlebell in your in your backpack <laughs> yeah it, just uh, for that extra you know it's because part of you as a runner is like oh i'm just gonna be walking quote unquote just even though just. we were saying like it's a great training especially for ultras but it was like oh, i'm just gonna be walking i might as well carry 35 extra pounds why not <laughs> you know that reminds me of a, of a adam adam laptop exploded <laughs> yeah uh yeah no i should have given you the rundown of my very um my very spartan work from home environment in that <laughs> i'm uh i'm sitting on the couch cushion or the the cushions that i use for car camping because basically i just live out of my subaru right now um i kind of like um it's, it's actually a majority of my time up up in frisco and silverthorne um but uh, shout out to David Laney, by the way. He, uh, he inspired me to do that. Um, That's awesome. Dude, yeah, yeah, and I will come back. I'll make my way back to that because I love that area and, like, think that's super cool. Um, yeah. So were you up there? Is that where you went to go train and stuff? Yes, yeah. We, oh, okay, <laughs> that makes sense because I was going to ask, like, how was it in, like, downtown Denver – you know, to go out and, and train, but it makes more sense to just be like, I need to get away from, from the city and actually like go out to where I can get some space and whatnot. Yeah. And that elevation, um, I oh, think yeah. most, most of my runs were around eight or 9,000 feet, um, or, you know, starting out at, and yeah, just being up there and kind of just being able to have that quick access to the trails. Uh, yeah, it just, it made, I would say it made the world of difference. I don't want to I don't know where I could place like the importance of it, but it definitely was, uh, I would attribute any success that I had at that never summer to that. Yeah. What trails were you, were you training on? Uh, let's see. Um, right before, so I did like Buffalo mountain loop. Um, all the way around was, it. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. Oh, that you looks, should, we yeah. Should, we totally should. It's, it's a great <laughs> one. And honestly, it, 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 I had tried to do it before with, with a friend and like way too early in the season and mm-hmm. there was just too much snowpack. And so that I kind of used that as my last, uh, I guess, big training run, so to speak, before Never Summer was, um, yeah, I just did the full Buffalo Mountain Loop. And <laughs> I admittedly had set out that day to do it twice because it's 13 miles and then I think like three or 4,000 feet again, I was like, Oh, you know, it'd be great. Like this would be a great taper event, you know, to go into never summer. So I do the one loop and of course, like I'm just tired and I get back to my car cause I'm going to refill my camelback. And I admittedly took every, I took the opportunity to, you know, uh, to give my parking spot away to a family that had obviously been there. And they were, you know, it was a huge, like, Quaker family of like nine kids um well you know <laughs> something it seems like you're well on your way to achieving <laughs> and uh but yeah you know they, they were they were just like standing there waiting for people to leave and like I just I like I said I just I totally took the opportunity to make it uh made and made the excuse of like I'll be a good person and I'll let them have my my parking spot instead of going to do a second loop in the back of your mind. You're like, yeah, all right. That was good. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it out of the kindness of my heart. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. But no, I, so that one, um, salmon Lake, uh, and then like North Willow fork trail. Um, actually this 
uh, this weekend I'm planning to go back up there. Uh, it's still kind of in that like active recovery phase, but um, to go do some uh, bivouacking in the Gorers. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I mean, as far as like <laughs> where I'm going to go or anything, but I, I know when I did that loop, I saw people up there. Um, and yeah, so I would, I would say like, I've tried to do every trail. I've tried to touch foot on every trail that's in Frisco and Silverthorne um, so far this summer. I don't, I haven't been keeping a list, but more yeah. of a, I don't think I've done that yet, but that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to, I brought up the never summer like stats and it's a hundred K with 14,000 feet of gain and descent, which is just bonkers, man. And it's also at altitude. So you have to yeah. be used to it. Otherwise you're going to like just get punched in the face basically. No, absolutely. And, uh, I completely went into this again as like naively as I could. Um, meaning, beforehand i tried my best to not read the course profile i mean i know it's like it's in the mountains there's a lot of climbing yeah, like i'm like done <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah like don't, i don't need to know the magnitude of how much my suffering is gonna is gonna be and uh but it, you know i also wanted to be responsible because considering like it is it, it is you know pandemic times and things like that so like i was like <laughs> I would get these emails from uh, from the race director from you know never or from NAR runners, and I would actually be reading the email though with like my hand over the screen, um, so that I didn't see when they talked about like elevation or <laughs> I was like, trying to pick out the most pertinent information about you know safety, yeah, uh, like rules and things like that. But um, but yeah, I knew there was a lot of climbing, so I tried to make as much I tried to get as much climbing as I could. Um, over the past couple of months and yeah, being, you know, for, it's Colorado. There's no, I mean, hell you could, if I, you know, if you wanted to be one of those motivators who did like a marathon inside their backyard, you could find a good spot to get some climbing in, in Denver, but I uh, definitely benefited from Frisco and Silverthorne. Yeah, man. You just be going up and down that actually, I remember, um, have you heard of Semirad? Yeah this dude brendan so he wrote an article about this hill that he's i can't remember what it's called it's super funny it was just about this hill that he goes up and down up and down up and down and it's the one on green mountain by yes. yeah like that by 470 and i just the whole time i'm reading it i was like geeking out to nobody i was like telling my <laughs> wife i'm like i know the hill that he's talking about and she's like Don't. okay <laughs> She's like, oh, great. It's like all the other hills. Yeah. I know, right? And then the other geeky Colorado thing is like, if you watch like a Courtney DeWalter YouTube video, yeah. I always am just like, I know where she's running. Like, I know that's that trail. Like, I geek out about all the trails and whatnot. But dude, talk about talk, uh, geek out. Yeah. No, I, um, I remember last when i was in uh, when i was in peru so i when i graduated from cu and i went to peru for about two months last year i i have this really awesome and i'm so glad that we're talking now and you were and you said that because i have this really awesome memory of being in these ruins in peru and not the machu picchu ones but ones that are of like that much cultural significance but they're not that well known yeah. And so if you can imagine like the the Machu Picchu kind of like setting, 
so the, the ruins are called Chokikiro, and they're the sister ones to Machu Picchu. But if you imagine Machu Picchu without the people, um, that's where I was at, where I was literally like the only person in these ruins for over like 24 hours. It was crazy. But my, my geeked out moment was um, I previously had downloaded uh, all my all these podcasts so I could listen to them and I didn't look at them and I started listening I listened to your interview with Courtney DeWalter as I was sitting as I was sitting in the middle of these ruins in the Andes and I was and, you know and I'm having that same kind of feeling I'm like holy crap Chris is all talking to Courtney DeWalter and like I'm, I'm literally just like there's there's no one here. Like, Meanwhile, you're in like a mystical land. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, yeah, exactly, exactly. But that was a really, that was just a really cool memory for me, and so I'm really, uh, yeah, I'm glad I got, I'm glad I remember. Oh, that that's hilarious, man. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so funny. Um, what? Yeah, dude. My other note, I wrote down never summer 100k, and then I wrote down <laughs> Peru, and that was it. Right. That was the only notes I wrote for the interview. So tell me that's a little bit, need. like. What, what, I mean, you graduated, so it was obviously like a celebration or a break or whatever, but why did you pick Peru? Um, <laughs> so I think it was, so, you know, I, uh, was lucky to do that interview with Trail Runner magazine and, um, a, you know, a few years ago. And in that interview, I <laughs> sheepishly, I know I was talking to Claire, the author uh, who, who wrote that. And I think I just, at that point in the interview, I had had this notion of going to Peru. Now this, when I did that interview, I was still like a year away from graduating. Um, you really just ha- wasn't focused on, on anything else other than school. Yeah. But I think the, con- yeah, the conversation has just kind of turned to other places, maybe in the, you know, around the world that would be cool to run. And I think I, However, the seed for Peru had gotten planted, it was like at 10% likelihood when I was talking to her, you know, it was kind of like at post interview, I just mentioned like, oh yeah, I think I seen some really cool, you know, YouTube videos about Peru and, you know, and I've been to South America before and I thought, you know, it would be really cool. So I just mentioned it kind of offhand. And so, um, but she prints it in that article and after that article comes out, I get, you know, someone who read it down in Peru reached out to me and they're like, Hey, if you want to come down here, you know, I'm, you know, this guy, uh, Rodrigo, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm, you know, in the running community. He actually, uh, I think he ran or did some type of running for North face or whatever. I mean, the dude's just, dude's a Billy goat by the way. Um, but yeah, no, I was, it was just like the most, it was, it was really cool. It was, I think a great, yeah, it was a great example of, I, th- I think, the way we all talk about the trail running community in that this guy, he just reached out to me, invited me to come down there. I ended up, you know, meeting his family. I mean, like I, I literally just talked to him uh, after Never Summer just to send him a picture and everything. It was, uh, yeah, it was really, really cool. But yeah, the idea for Peru, I just kind of, it was just like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. That's awesome. So you just, were you like running every day or were you just exploring or what was that like? <laughs> yeah. Again, I went into it with no plan whatsoever. It, yeah. uh, it, it actually, had I not been hooked up with this guy, Rodrigo, I would have totally probably made a mess of things because the place, the part of the country that I wanted to go to, um, 
was in rainy season, like it would, you would have been, it would have been inaccessible. I it would have just been a, a mess. And so yeah. he convinced me um, to spend a lot of my time in Cusco and around that sacred Valley area. And so, yeah, I went down with like this notion that like, Hey, I live in Colorado. I can, you know, I, you know, I, I go into the mountains every, every weekend I can go do these things. I had no, I mean that absolutely not like it, going down there it would be like going from Miami to here. Um, just, <laughs> just like it, because everything there was above like 10,000 feet and everything there. I mean, the idea of a trail down there is a very loose term. It's, um, <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've actually had a few people that I know that have gone to Peru after me. And the one piece of advice that I give them is, it's this sounds terrible, but like carry a stick, um, especially if you're going to do any sort of like treks or hikes, because like I was just basically roaming around the Andes and I was roaming around these villages where they definitely don't see a lot of white people um, or, you know, if foreigners and their dogs would literally just chase me. Oh, really? And these, were, these were like really these these were <clears throat> excuse me. They were. They were not friendly dogs, and a few of them, like, yeah, you just you had to you had to carry a stick with you, and like you'd have to like shoo them away with this stick, and uh, but yeah, so I went down with this with this hope that I was gonna do as much running as I could, but it was just it ended up every day. I was so I think tracked I tracked it all on Strava. Um, I ended up doing like over five hundred miles. In, Dang man. Yeah, it, well, because, you know, all, all I was doing was just being a run bum. I was literally just waking up and hiking and running. But I was I think I was able to average around 15 miles a day um, just hiking through the mountains and stuff. And so that's so cool. Yeah. You know, I would I would I mean, it's a beautiful country. And, and you know, everything I think people have heard about it is is true. And it's really unfortunate that they're getting hit really hard now with the pandemic. But I would, you know, to all your listeners out there, I would. I would highly recommend going down there for whatever reason, whether it's to go experience the mountains or the people or the food. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's a tremendous Dude, country. I'm pretty sure I watched like an Anthony Bourdain show once and he went to Peru and he was just saying how it's like the food. And I can't remember it was Lima. Is that how you said Lima, Peru? Yeah. So I'm pretty yeah. sure he was there and he was just like, the food here is like absolutely unbelievable. And I was like, really? I've never heard of that before. <laughs> but then you, yeah, like I've heard it from multiple people since then, you know? Yeah, it's, it, oh, it's, it's totally true in that um, I, you know, I didn't, I had, again, no planning whatsoever. Um, I know I'm like, <laughs> you know, people are, find out like oh you were in the marines like really <laughs> <laughs> like well that's yeah, just haphazardly yeah yeah have it. we'll just do it live uh yeah. you know um yeah no it's to 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 speak to that i went down um kind of like i you know i, I follow kind of a restricted diet but down there i couldn't do i couldn't eat the way that i wanted to and so i ended up just kind of um, falling into the vegan diet really easily down there. You would think that out of all places, at least in the U S you know, cause I was living in Boulder that, you know, some granola eaten kind of city like Boulder would be, if you're going to be vegan, they'd be there, but it was actually so much easier to be vegan 
in a third world country, not a third world country, but in a country like Peru, yeah. than, it, than it is uh, in a more progressive place like Boulder. And so, yeah, but even the vegan food, I mean, I was, there was one restaurant in particular that every time I basically came back to where I was like headquarters at, um, it was a really well-known vegan place. And I just, you know, you, I made sure to go there every time I would come back from doing like some type of trek and it was just, yeah, the, the, even the street food, like the, the legitimate street food down there would put probably a lot of uh, upper echelon restaurants here to shame. That sounds so good. Man. Totally. Dude, just, go, just remember to bring a stick. Remember to bring a stick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. Wow. That's amazing. And it's hard right now too, because like, I'll get the travel bug for sure. Yeah. This was the summer Lindsay and I were going to travel a bunch, of course. Uh, and that didn't pan out necessarily, but, but yeah, so I've been like trying not to watch any travel shows, you know, like right now I'm just like, no, I can't even. So here, here I am going on. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds amazing, man. Like that sounds like absolutely incredible. Um, but you're, but I, I have heard about the elevation out there. It just stomps yeah. you. So yeah. are you good in elevation? Like, I don't particularly think I am, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, e each, each weekend that I go out to Frisco, I still feel like I have to get a bit, uh, I have to get a little acclimated. Um, you know, I went out for never summer. I mean, we can, I can definitely give you the more of the detailed rundown of never summer. Yeah. Let's <laughs> jump into it. <laughs> Yeah, I so I went out on uh, so the race was Saturday morning. Um, I went out, I think like Friday afternoon, um, and car camped. Uh, car camped, yeah, just pretty close to to the race start. Um, so at least I have noticed that if I if I go into the mountains from Denver like the morning of, like on a, like Saturday morning, yeah, the runs are a lot rougher. But even just having that one night to kind of get acclimated, it really does, I, th I think, make a difference. And yeah. so um, I went out, yeah, but, but I think that was – but whatever altitude, whatever acclimation I might have achieved by going out the night before – was negated by the fact that like I got maybe an hour of sleep like you know I was just I was you know like everybody you know you're just nervous before um and again it's, it happens every time it's all those why didn't I look at the course profile beforehand like why did I like why was I reading emails with my hand over things like I'm sure there's information I'm missing now I'm sure um, you know I don't have my drop bags ready to go I'm sure I'm just gonna you know it do I do I have the right start time because they, you know, they, uh, they were starting everybody in waves, um, to, to mitigate, you know, everyone, uh, to mitigate large groups. And so I start time, I started at three forty AM and, um, and I knew it and I, I absolutely knew it, but you know, of course the night before you're just second guessing, like, is it really, was it really three forty? Did I, <laughs> but I don't have cell service up there, so I can't like check that. And so, um, yeah, so it went out. Uh, a friend of mine actually, um, she uh, volunteered to crew and pace. Um, I think she definitely uh, used me as an excuse just to be up in the mountains, though, which I was more than happy to oblige. And yeah, so the night before, um, like everybody had those jitters, uh, just wanted to get the thing started because this is very much, uh, you know, I'd like to think I'd go into every race humble, but this one had me like, I was actually nervous about this one. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you're wondering like, is this going to be the first one that I DNF on? And um, yeah, so, uh, but I would say uh, it felt great um, to get, just to finally get it going to find, you know, even though it was early, even though, you know, bad, bad sleep, all, every, every, all things considered, if as soon as, as soon as we started, um, I immediately started to feel better. Um, yeah. So I started with a group of about, I think like eight other people and yeah, we just set out middle of the night, started going up a road. Uh, don't know. Um, I think the first aid station is like 11 miles away or something. And I was feeling great. Uh, and then for whatever reason, like after just stopping at that first aid station and really, I didn't do anything. Like I didn't do anything that would, you would think that would make me feel bad, so to speak. But I just that stop and refill my water bottles and starting out again, all of a sudden my stomach kind of just like went south on me. And, um, you know, I didn't experiment with new food the night before I, you know, I just did what I usually do, but it just, it just went really South. And, uh, for a couple of miles, um, after that first aid station, I just kind of had to, uh, you know, shout out to Hayden Hawks for this one. He's, um, uh, I think he did a, he, I heard an interview that he did with, uh, ultra runner podcast, which I know you, I want to hear how, uh, you felt, um, about doing that interview but they, it was uh, the same how I feel about all of them. I'm like, what yeah. in the world? This is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but he, on that, on, on that interview, Hayden, he, uh, you know, he said, um, he has, I think like a mantra or phrase, whatever it is, you know, um, this too shall pass. And it's one of those, it's like, yeah, I, I know I've heard that before, but for whatever reason, ever after listening to that interview and hearing him talk about that, it's really become a personal mantra of mine as well. And so for that couple of miles after that first aid station, yeah, it was just like, man, this, this is going to pass like this too shall pass, you know, just keep going. And so, yeah, and sure enough, like the whole day, just it, it, that was my low point. That was my lowest, my lowest, I think at least attitude goes, um, after that first aid station. And that's nuts when it's that early on too. Cause you're, yeah, it's no. just mental, like, <laughs> man, is this going to be this way for the next 50 miles? Oh yeah. There, you you get inside your own head and you're like, there's no way like, you know, you start to think like this is not, not only is this how it's going to be for the next, you know, however many miles, like, is this how my, the rest of my life is going to be? Like, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, am I yeah. going to be with a constant stomach ache? Now? Yeah. You get very, <laughs> you, you go very internal and, um, but yeah, thankfully I pushed through that and, um, and, yeah, I, it's, I, I don't, you know, I know people don't want to hear step by step kind of things, but um, yeah, made it to the next aid station. And then uh, after that one, you know, of, of course, I was just wondering, okay, when's the big climb coming? When are the, you know, yeah. I, I also with, you know, I also choose to be naive during the race and that I won't like, I'll, I'll let my watch, my GPS run, but I won't look at it. Cause I don't, you know, I'm just not that type of runner. Like it doesn't, it doesn't help me to see how far I've gone because all I can think about is how much farther I have to go. Dude, I'm 100% with you. Like I'll hear people's watches go off after the first mile. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even want to know. I didn't, I didn't want to know we went a mile, you know, yep. I'd prefer not to know, you know? 
Yeah, and the uh, the the next example of why um, I'm, I'm you probably shouldn't do something like that, or how it comes back to bite you in the ass, is that uh, before the race, you know, a few people that I talked to that had run it before, they were telling me about the the climb up diamond, and that's all they would say is the climb up diamond, and they um, all of them talked about how steep it was, and so I thought that they were referencing the climb up to diamond aid station not oh. the climb, not the climb up diamond mountain <laughs> and so and that's like the third i think diamond aid station is maybe the third or fourth one and so and and, and granted like getting to that aid station there's some really good there's some you know it's fourteen thousand feet again you got to get that you know climb in somewhere or climbing in somewhere and so i, re- I remember getting into diamond aid station and thinking like okay that wasn't too bad. Like thinking that's what they were referencing was the, you know, the previous leg. I'm like, you know, yeah, that had some good, you know, that had some good up to it, but it wasn't as bad as everyone thought. And then of course, like I'm just, I'm ready to go for that aid station. And then I hear uh, some, uh, you know, one of the volunteers talking to another runner they're like, Oh yeah. You know, you've got climb up diamond peak next. And I'm like, crap. Can we already do this? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, all right, here it comes. And of course, you know, it's it's off in the distance, and so you can't you you have to go towards it. But I'm still trying to like just not look up at it. I'm trying just to be, you know, just trying to just trying to be a burrow about it and be like it's gonna you know it is what it is. It's gonna you know the only way up is up. And um, yeah. but yeah, that no joke. Like it looks. I just was I wasn't covering the profile, <laughs> and I saw it, and I'm like, yeah, that looks like a beast, man. And that was I I it was a stair stepper. Like, in it's so funny that for you know each leg of I guess the race I just kept, kept kind of kept coming up with these different mantras, and for that one I remember each step being uh, I would say to myself stick, and so I was just saying like stick stick stick, and it was just to keep my to stick my foot in the ground so I wouldn't mm. fall backwards. Yeah, and it was just to you know keep climbing up and. Um, but yeah, I was really, I was really happy to be able to get that uh, in before you know. I guess it's pretty uh, noteworthy to be on diamond and for it to hail and rain and stuff. And so um, I was really glad that I didn't <laughs> that I managed to make it up and over before any of that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I would say just the way that they started the race everybody in waves it was it was actually really nice to kind of be in a pack like that um because they were definitely uh we would we didn't run together the entire time but it was really cool to be you know later on in the race uh see somebody that you had started with and just to have that like hey man how you doing like we're the 340 group like, exactly, exactly come on 340 exactly. you're like a little team man actually it's funny i've been running with a guy out here like once a week in the mornings and he did never summer and so and i'm i'm trying to remember if he was 340 or like 350 because he was one of those times so i'll have to ask him next time i see him yeah see see if he remembers uh running past some dude with a stupid looking mustache because i'm sure (laughs) he's like oh you mean like 50 dudes with stupid mustaches we're in quarantine and it's trail running like all of us yeah, all of us everybody yeah. has mustaches now come on yeah <laughs> i would like to think by if i is the most ridiculous of them all because each it's it's still it's what it's been 
four months, five months or whatever, I still will look at myself in the mirror and I feel ashamed at what I see looking back at me. <laughs> it's better than mine, dude. Mine looks like <laughs> a high school junior decided yeah. it was a good idea to grow a mustache. <laughs> and it's just like kind of coming in, but not all the way. And you're like, is that a mustache or did he just for like miss a spot, you know? Was he polishing shoes earlier and he just happened to rub his nose? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what mine is. But, uh, and I was telling you, it, it gets bleached out like when it's sunny. Yeah. And so then it's even worse. And you're like, oh my God, I can't have a mustache in the summer. That's what I've learned. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 totally. It's, uh, it just, it gets in the way. And yeah. though I will, I, the beyond um, the serendipity of of my razor batteries being dead, the I'd say there there is a sliver of motivation of keeping it in that I'm a huge fan of uh, bulletproof coffee. You know, putting butter in your coffee. Um, it's like <laughs> just the most. What if you put me on a? It's that answer to if you put me on a desert island, what am I gonna? You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm going to my grave caffeinated because all I'm I'm drinking this bulletproof coffee. But what I like most about uh, or the benefit of the mustache is definitely if you if you do the bulletproof coffee correctly and you put it in a blender and you get that foam and that froth to it. Uh, you know, when I drink it, it definitely sticks in the mustache and throughout the day, you know, just getting a little taste here and there. <laughs> That's perfect. Isn't that what like Blackbeard did the pirate, you know, he just would get like food stuck in his beard. I don't know, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if if he did, good for him. He's yeah, an innovator. He, he's, he's the he's the original. Class. Yeah, and he's like, oh, butter in my coffee. Dang, butter. I should have done yeah. that. I just wrote down, I'm going to my grave caffeinated because I'm like 100% on board with you on that one. I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh, it's. I have those moments. Uh, yeah, I'll have those moments like throughout the day where, you know, you know, you have the the kind of clarity to know that you shouldn't be doing something, but yet you're just going to do it anyways. And I'll have those moments where, you know, let's say like it's like right before bed and I'm like, I know I don't need this coffee right now. I it's it's but I want it <laughs> and, I want, and I want it now and I'm going to drink it and then I'm going to wonder why tomorrow I didn't get any sleep because yeah, I yeah. drank coffee right before bed Dude. but yeah no death before decaf of course <laughs> <laughs> um yeah man so I mean you already talked about your low moment early on in the race like yeah rebounding from that and it's just it looks like an epic like constantly going up or constantly going down but i mean once you rebounded for that were you just good to go the rest of the time no because i'm 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 superstitious too when it comes to at least racing um and being in a race and so i you know i tentatively accepted that i was starting to feel better but again in the back it's that irish catholic in me like oh shit it's about to go south again real quick yeah and so i would um I mean, I was, I was optimistic, at, obviously, at after each mile, after each A station that I was going to finish. But I kind of held out on believing, uh, in air quotes, that I was going to finish until, really, until the very end. And this is actually, I was, I, you know, I joked before about, uh, you know, or not joke, but I, I kind of miss, didn't know if I could fully attribute any of my training to actually finishing. But I will say with 100% certainty that my friend 
being there to uh, kind of crew or just pace me for the last, I think, eight miles made the world a difference. Um, I've never had a pacer before. I've never uh, had somebody, you know, other than my parents really come out and su- support me during a race. And so uh, it was it was really weird how knowing that this person was going to be there for me for that last stretch. And I mean, good on her. She like, it was like a spur of the moment decision too. She like, uh, we were, I think it was around mile 30. Um, you know, I came into the aid station and she was just hanging out, you know, it was there for support. And she kind of was like, Hey, do you want me to just, uh, you would, do you want me to pace you for those last, last stretch? I was like, yeah, if you, like if, you're wearing Tom's right now, but if you, if you brought like gym shoes, like, Oh yeah, I got gym shoes and everything. And so, uh, yeah, totally good on her. And, um, but yeah, I would say, uh, you know, I really, yeah, I just being able to, to look forward to that last stretch with her being there, it kind of made it, it tricked me into thinking that my last, that the finish line was actually that aid station of just Mm, meeting up with her. Yeah. And yeah, and, and and also like had she not um, because I bet at that point I was I was probably the most exhausted I've ever been at the end of a race to where, you know, yeah, physically I've been tired, but mentally so tired because that, you know, I've, my official time was like 17 hours and 15 minutes or whatever. And um, I wouldn't I know there was there were at least two different turns that I would have completely missed had I not had someone like a fresh mind there to tell me. And so, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, it's just, I, I, I was, I was cautiously feeling optimistic a, a, after each, um, after each stretch. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm going to, uh, steal a question from Oprah here. Ever Do heard it. of her? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no. <laughs> I've been reading an Oprah book and I was, <laughs> I was reading it today and like one of it, like she writes down some of her interviews and stuff. And I saw this question. I'm like, ah, what a good question, you know? And uh, favorite breakfast cereal. (laughs) Yeah. What's your favorite breakfast cereal? No, it's cinnamon toast crunch. Dude. Now I can't find my question, man. Hold on. Oh man. I built it all up. Yeah. Don't worry. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. I I got it. Yeah. I got it. Um, I could have just said anything and just been like, yeah, Oprah ask that um so what have you like through this race and we'll make it specifically about this race because i think hers was more like general and broad and stuff but like specifically through this after thinking for a couple days like what have you discovered whether about you or about the world or whatever um that you never knew you had before through it yeah no that's that's a Man, I don't think Oprah question. would say whatever or sweet dude, but we're going. It's with in there it. somewhere. <laughs> it's it. Yeah, don't worry. It's it's the Colorado translation. Yeah. Um, what have I? Um, like yeah, I guess you know, to put some context, like whenever I go into a race, and it's not always that I discover anything super profound, though sometimes I do. But it is like I go in a certain person and then I come out and I'm changed even ever so slightly, you know? Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, I think, well, I know that, you know, for this, 
you know, the older we get, yeah, you know, I, I was able to do that, that stupid ass adventure in Mongolia. You know, I've, I, I, I think I objectively understand a lot of my story and I understand that there's some, there's, there's some talking points to it, but I will say like over the past couple of years, mainly because I was back in school and, you know, I'm 34 years old now, I'm not that angry at the world, 25, 28 year old, who's just like, yeah, who, who just wants to set the sky on fire. Um, I think what I learned about myself was that I could still feel the same type of adventure and I could actually still feel uh, the energy that comes from an uncertain future. Um, because, you know, right now, like, let's, let's be honest, the, you know, I, I work in software and I, I have a very privileged life. I'm a middle class white male in America. Like, my biggest concern um, is is nowhere near what a majority of the country and a majority of the people around the world have to grapple with every day. And so it taught me, the race taught me that I could still feel, I could still, like I said, feel that sense of adventure. I could still feel vulnerable um, and not only feel vulnerable, but actually, you know, make it through um, because even though I don't dwell on parts of my past, like I didn't make it through SEAL training and I wouldn't, I wouldn't categorize it as this like haunting memory anymore, but it, I wouldn't, you know, it'd be a lie to say that I don't think about it at least once a day. Like had I not quit, um, I, it had, you know, I, of course, like the, I, you know, the fact that I had cancer that, you know, can't go, I don't, I don't ever end my day going, oh, yeah, I forgot I had cancer. Like, there, it's just there, front yeah. and center sometimes. Yeah. And so keeping that perspective, though, has been has been a little lost on me because of the, you know, the more routine lifestyle that I've been forced in, or that I've chosen to have um, by going back to school and by having, you know, and, you know, just working in the field that I do. And so, yeah, it, it just, like I said, it, it taught me that I – that I could still feel vulnerable, that I could still feel um, like it, you know, I don't want to say like a human, but like it still felt like there was an element of adventure and surprise in me and that I could push through it. And that as, you know, as, as daunting as a race like Never Summer is and was, and, but it was still, it's, I still had that like satisfaction and sense of accomplishment that I did something. Yeah. And that's super good for your ego. And you know what I mean? Like you can, if you get too comfortable, you can think nothing can take you down or whatever. And then you go and put yourself into something that's difficult. And it's just, it's just that reminder, you know? Um, And especially like right now, it's like also a reminder of I can get through difficult times and I can get myself through that using like, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, endurance and perseverance and perseverance, perseverance. I said perseverance, but you know what I mean? Like you can, you can battle through. Yeah. Iowa. (laughs) It's, uh, you know, but here's, so uh, this is, this is a really interesting point because it's something that I think, you know, a lot of people, especially in the trail running community and and just in, in any endurance sport, um, are probably aware of is that a lot of us go, we seek out these challenges, maybe not consciously, 
but we do it in some way to prepare ourselves for life in general. And, you know, uh, before I open up, you know, I always use this terrible analogy of all the tangents I go on of all these browser tabs opening and I'm going to close them all down eventually. But, you know, there's this idea like Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, I think there's a great story out there about how Teddy Roosevelt saved American football. And back in the day when he was alive and obviously uh, relevant, um, football was a super savage sport. Like it was not the all, you know, playing by the rules kind of thing. It was, he was a big proponent of football because it prepared what he would say men for war um, as close as you can get to going to battle. And for us, I think people that do these types of endurance sports, we, we seek out these challenges because we kind of know deep down that life is, you know, life is just going to hit you. Like whether you're ready for it or not, life is going to hit you. And there's lessons in whatever sport that you're in, but you know, we'll speak about running. There's, there's lessons in being able just to go to from aid station to aid station when shit hits the fan. And I, that's another great lesson that this taught that the race taught me, or at least reinforced to me was that, you know, again, like I understand where my story comes from and I, you know, it's, it's a, it was unfortunate that I had cancer. It was unfortunate more so I think for the people around me to have to deal with me when I was going through a lot of those things, but that stuff is going to happen to all of us, whether or not it's cancer, whether or not it's some other, you know, getting fired during a, a pandemic or something like that. And so the let, you know, the, maybe an addendum you know, like to your answer is it reinforced in me that there, that you can, you, you just have to keep moving that no matter what, like it, it may, you know, it's my favorite Tupac quote because <laughs> if, I mean, you're not an adult unless you have a favorite Tupac quote. Obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, I know times are hard right now and it may not seem like there's bright skies ahead, but just remember, stick your chest out, hold your head up and handle it. And, um, that's, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, something like never summer, hopefully something like when I do my first hundred miler or, and whatever comes is that the, it just teaches you, it teaches you what you're capable of, but it teaches you that you're so, you're, you're just so truly capable of, of moving forward as long as you just refuse to quit. Yeah. Yeah. And then by moving forward, you don't know what opportunities you're going to have. Um, I was just talking to a guy today and we did a podcast and he talked about something called the Siberian dilemma. Have you heard of this? So basically the no. idea is if you're in Siberia and you break through the ice and you fall in the water, you have two choices in that instance. You can stay in the water and you're not going to make it, or you can get out of the water and you're not going to make it because it's freezing cold. But the idea yeah. here is you got to get out of the water. You got to get out of the water anyways, because you don't know if by getting out of the water, you have an opportunity available to you. That's going to allow you to survive. Like you don't know what's going to happen in those, you know, five extra minutes you're buying yourself by getting out of the water. You know what I mean? Like you don't know what's going to happen in that instance. Yeah. And I, I just think that's kind of relates to what you're just saying. No, absolutely. I, you know, it's, um, you just keep going. You know, 
you, you have to, and well, in in yeah, you it, you have to make that decision. Um, yeah, there's tons of stuff that I love to leave up to fate, but you you have to choose to act. Yeah. Um, and and if you're not going to act, you have to choose not to act intentionally. And yeah, I, I, that's a I think that's would you call it the Siberian dilemma? Yeah, which in my opinion, well, now that I talk about it, I'm like it's not even a dilemma. Like you just have to get out of the water. You know what I mean? Just. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 yeah, that's that's a truly survival kind of moment. Yeah, it's no dilemma. Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, I re- I really like that. Yeah, yeah I thought that uh, was super cool. Um, close the browser tabs for us. So you bring it home, bring it home right now with uh, you know, never summer experience like the big takeaway you just mentioned, but but yeah, yeah, bring it, bring it uh, home. Sure. Yeah. No, I would say, um, a tr- a just what a, what an honest to God type two fun type of race <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> where, where, yeah, in the moment it sucked. Um, but I loved it. It was so well put on, um, you know, trail markings, volunteers, aid stations, uh, it was funny, you know, they, part of the rules that they put in place, um, you know, cause they don't want people like obviously touching a lot of the same stuff. Like you had to, you, it, at the aid stations, there was no, you couldn't like dip your hands in the bowl. You couldn't put your grubby ass hands in like the potato chip bowl or the m M&M and bowl. You had to like place an order and there was, yeah. So it was so funny cause like, you know, you'd, you'd run up, uh, I was, I was having a, I was, I was laughing. I was always trying, I was cracking myself trying to imagine this um, before I'd actually seen it. But you, before you got to an aid station, there was literally like a menu like posted somewhere. And I was imagining just like running through the woods and all of a sudden you come across, you know, and you got to see outside of a restaurant, like the menu behind plexiglass or whatever. But yeah, you would have to, they would have a menu of all the food at the aid station so that you would, you know, go in and know what you wanted before because they didn't want people lingering around. Um, but yeah, the overall race, like, I mean, just, I can't speak enough to just how, how well put on it was and how, I think it would live up to anyone's expectations, if not exceed that, as far as um, you know, it being the having the notoriety that it does and, and earning it, but also just you know being that kick in the ass that you you kind of need and that I you know was hoping for because I do want, I, I am I'm waitlisted for Run Rabbit Run um, in two months, and so this yeah this was just tremendous. It was. Um, I, I can I can easily say this now that it's done. Oh yeah, yeah, totally do it again. But if I don't know, if, uh, I, I'm not I'm not itching to do it again. But it's a it was a great race. But yeah, um, beautiful, absolutely beautiful scenery. Um, I by the time I finished the sun, I think I finished like right when the sun was setting, and so it was so cool to be kind of crossing the finish line or at least approaching. Um, the last few miles with the cotton candy sky and the mountain, you know, it's the mountains in the background and just the atmosphere. Um, I don't know if you experienced this when, you know, part of my favorite thing about camping, and it's also like the double-edged sword of it, when you go camping for anything over like 24 hours and you're, and you're removed, especially now from a lot of like the noise that is our world, um, it's, it's just so 
it's it's just comforting to be kind of like in your own bubble and it was I, I i must say like it was a very serene feeling that night going to you know it was sore as hell um going to going to sleep in the back of my subaru um or trying to go to sleep in the back of my subaru and it wasn't just this like serene feeling of uh, oh i accomplished this it was like man this just has like an intangible quality to it where it's just like these are my people like these are you know I, you know, these, these, this is, this is my tribe. Um, if there was, it was, a, if there was any doubt about like whether or not I did the right thing by getting, <laughs> I run, therefore I am tattooed on my body. <laughs> like it, I did the right thing. Like this is, uh, yeah, this, it was just, it, it was, it was a great experience. I would say if, if that, if never summer ends up being the only real race that I do this year, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. It's, uh, you know, from all of us who haven't ran a race this year, I'm sure we're just like, uh, sorry, no, but it sounds amazing. And you summed it up perfectly, you know, and yeah, it's awesome, man. Well, Adam, thank you for coming on, dude. It was super cool catching up with you. Dude. Yeah. I'm so happy to, I'm, you know, like, uh, it's, it's, I can't say enough how cool it's been just to see your podcast coming out and to know that you're, you know, you're still, you know, you're doing it, man. And it's, um, and, and we definitely need to find time to, uh, to get together in person. 100% um, man. 100% sometime soon, sometime before summer ends for sure. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Uh, huge thanks to Adam, dude. Thank you so much, man. Like I just really enjoy sitting down chatting with you um you know kind of following your adventures as they keep going and uh just from texting back and forth with adam lately uh he really wants to take on a 100 miler soon and i believe that it'll be his very first 100 miler so um definitely would really want him to come back on the podcast and share uh stories from that event uh after that happens um as for me this week man this week's been a week i'm exhausted i am tired i've been looking at a computer screen for hours on end uh (laughs) as we're starting off the year doing remote teaching and it's definitely like a major it's a major change and like paradigm shift like how do you teach kids while you know not being there in person and having to do it through technology and then how do you also do that while allowing them to step away from their screens because man if I feel exhausted by the end of the day I can't imagine how exhausted my students must feel you know after a whole entire day of school on the computer so um it's got me to think a lot about just adaptability and it's amazing like my students are amazing like how adaptable they've been even in this one week and how patient they've been i compared uh the first day of school i told all my students i was like man this is like this summer my wife bought me a mountain bike a brand new mountain bike and she dropped me off at the top of this mountain in steamboat springs and she was like well i'm gonna drive back to you know the place we're staying i'm like okay 
that's cool. And she dropped me off and drove away. And I'm like, oh my God, like, what do I do now? I guess I have to go down this mountain on this mountain bike. And I get up there and the trail says like intermediate to expert. And I'm like, whoa, I'm neither an intermediate nor an expert. I'm one of those beginner guys. And I was like, well, this is the only trail down this hill. So apparently I have to go down this. And so I started going and very quickly it turned into some like legit technical terrain that I am not used to whatsoever. And I'm like bouncing everywhere at one point, like I let go of my handlebars. I'm like, oh yeah, don't do that. Don't let go of handlebars. You need to hold on to those things. And I'm bouncing. I'm like the whole time, like, dude, I'm going, I'm going to fly off this thing. And at one point, this dude who was like really good at mountain biking, like zoomed by me at one point. And I was like, oh man, I hope you just didn't see how rough of a go of my last five minutes have been. Uh, but I was like, there's no choice. I just have to do it. I have to just, I have to keep going forward and eventually I will make it to the bottom of this hill. <laughs> and luckily for me, I made it to the bottom of the hill in one piece. And just based on that one ride, there was probably at least 20 little things that I learned just based off that one experience, which very well could be described as not pleasant. But through that uncomfortable experience, my wealth of knowledge just grew. And so I was telling this to my students, that story, and I was like, that's how I feel right now. Like I feel like I'm in the midst of going down that hill being bucked off of this bike like it's a horse <laughs> and fearing for my life and just completely thrown into something I was not comfortable with. And I think that might be how we all feel right now. Um, you know, if you're a parent and you have kids and they're going back to school or however your district's doing it or whatever choice you made, um, or if you're a teacher and you're, you're going back after having been locked down for, you know, the last five months, like it's a very uneasy time. And, but at the same time, there are opportunities of growth. I think, I think this year is going to be wild, but I also think by the end of this year, I will be a better teacher. Um, I think I'll have more skills. I think in some ways that I might not have gotten better, I will be forced to get better, um, if that makes sense. And I also think, because man, this year has been exhausting. I think I'm I'm optimistic that we can, we're we're all like the whole entire world is through this point of going down the mountain bike hill, about to be bucked off, all this stuff, and it's crazy, and it's uncomfortable. And it's not necessarily pleasant at times, but I hope we're, I'm hopeful that we get to the bottom and we learn our lessons. I think the biggest travesty would be if, you know, we end up quote unquote getting through everything, which I always have a little issue with because I'm like, I mean, stuff's going to be different. Like it's not going back the same no matter what. But if we got through everything and no one learned any lessons from it or they didn't allow themselves to learn lessons and they were stubborn enough to want everything to go back 100% the way it was, I think that's going to be the problem. Um, 
I'm hoping that we look at it and we reflect on it like and decide that we're going to learn and become better because that's what we do. That's what we should do um, as humans. That's what I try to do every day. And some days I'm successful and some days I'm not, but it's, it's what I strive for. Um, when I look at like what would be the most, the best version of myself, that person is doing that and reflecting every day. And, you know, like I said, most of the time I don't live up to that <laughs> necessarily, but I think having that idea ideals that you're trying to reach is huge. And, and so hopefully that's something I can work on, but it's funny because now it's becoming really clear that this is what needs to happen, uh, just as a teacher and then hopefully i can apply that to the rest of my life because I, I am thinking i'm like man there's two routes here right like i can either kind of like be upset about everything and miserable and and you know just moan about it all day or i can just accept the circumstances i'm in and do my absolute best and be open and willing to learn lessons and become better. And personally, I would much rather go that last route, um, though the first route is a lot easier to go down. But I think the one that takes the most work, but is ultimately most worthwhile, is the route where you are doing a lot of intentional reflections and and really working on bettering yourself in whatever area, you know? Um, so yeah, anyways. That was that was a weird rant. I think I just I think my mind just blanked for like five minutes there, and then I just started saying stuff, and now I don't fully remember what I said. But hopefully it was cool. <laughs> um, also for me, uh, next week is Labor Day, and that is going to be the Boonville Backroads Ultra. I feel trained, sort of, or as trained as I'm gonna be. Um, I'm definitely ramping down the miles this week and next week. Um, but I'm very excited for it. Uh, it'll be fun. I realized that I really haven't done an event like a race or something since the Marine Corps 50k, which was last September. So it's almost been a whole entire year and I haven't really competed or, or participated in anything. So, um, in that sense, I'm super, super pumped for it. Um, in the being nervous about being able to do it that's definitely there for sure um but you know what like at the end of the day one foot in front of the other right that's all we can do so all right guys well all that being said thank you to adam thanks for coming on the show man uh and thank you guys for listening i really appreciate it uh love the feedback um that i'm getting people are sending messages things like that like it's awesome i hope you guys are enjoying it um, because I'm enjoying doing it every week. So I'm just going to keep this baby rolling. So, all right, see you later. Bye.